everyone and welcome to Brody Sports Talk. We are here with episode 32 today. My name is Caleb Walgren and I am your host. You can find me on Twitter at KDig74 and find our show at Brody Talk. I am joined by both of the Brodies today. Woo-hoo! We have Travis Conaway, <laughs> also known as at Travis Conaway. I was going to say, I don't even know my own Twitter handle. <laughs> and we have Sean Morgan, which is at underscore Sean underscore Morgan underscore. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Definitely the easiest of the three. I, we I'm have, just happy that someone knew my Twitter handle. We have lots to discuss today. I just want to go ahead and go over the general topics. Uh, we have uh, some Pac-12 discussion with Larry Scott. You know, should he stay or should he go now? Hmm. Uh, NFL Combine reactions. Uh, you know, NFL free agency slash draft rumor discussions. Always plenty to talk about there. Uh, we have our standard segments, 300 segments of so- segments of soccer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have replaced I'm leaving. the podcast. We are now doing 300 segments of soccer. Well, that, that would be beautiful. That would be bad. Uh, what? This day in sports we history. We lost all of our followers. Weird. Uh, mid-major conference tournaments that start this week. Yep. And uh, game of the week. A relatively new feature that we are excited about. Woo. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you guys want to go ahead and jump off today? Let me go ahead and ramble on about Larry Scott for a minute. <clears throat> so, I don't know if you guys read any articles or checked anything out, but um, Pac-12 officials, um, well, basically the campus officials, um, have actually begun discussions about the future of Commissioner Larry Scott. He's got two years left on his current deal. But the media deals that the Pac-12 have with ESPN and Fox are timed at around the same time as his contract's expiring. So they're going to want to plan around what they're going to do sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they want those deals to go through as desired. Huge for the conference could very well dictate uh, the success they have relative to the other Power Five conferences uh, over the next decade. Now, he's been with the Pac-12 since 2009. Under his eye, they did expand from the Pac-10. 2011, they added Colorado and Utah. Oh, they were the Pac-10. Yeah. Weird. (laughs) Um, Obviously, you know, there's been some success across different sports for those teams. Limited success. Um, Now, most Pac-12 fans absolutely loathe this man. Now, schools have lost advertising revenue due to the Pac-12 network being in complete and utter failure. On the football side, most of the West Coast schools have fallen in national popularity um, and strength due to lack of visibility, mm-hmm. and they've had a decreased quality in recruiting. Prices for tickets for some of these high-profile games have plummeted uh, relative to some of the other conferences, especially in comparison to the almighty SEC. Uh, the Pac-12 has performed terribly in basketball and football relative to years past, and many of these schools' athletic departments have seen like very little money going into the programs relative to what they had seen in 10, 20 years past. Now, what do you guys think? Do you think this is the time to get rid of Larry Scott? So while I agree that, yes, I think it is the time to get rid of him, I mean, can you really blame Larry Scott because you're on the West Coast and all your games are at 10 o'clock at night and midnight for everybody else? Like, that's not really on just him. That's, you know, there's scheduling involved and, and things like that. So while I don't want Larry Scott to stay because I think it's time to move on I mean I feel like he's getting blamed for things that he really doesn't have all that much control over but also like you were saying it kind of coincides with their TV contracts 
Would a new commissioner potentially hurt that, though? Like, you know, he doesn't have any kind of relationships with, you know, the people that he's going to be negotiating with these contracts. I mean, it's fair, but at the same time, look at some of the success around um, the NCAA with some of the other conferences and their respective networks. That's yeah. I, as a Nebraska fan <laughs> who, you know, about 10 years ago, we probably could have joined the Pac-12. We went to the Big Ten, and the fact is, is yes, some of our teams have struggled on an on-the-field basis, but what we are doing off the field has been tremendous. We are able to uh, have our basketball and volleyball teams perform overseas. We are able to, you know, get some exposure in different areas that Nebraska would not have had even if it stayed in the Big 12. And that's why Larry Scott, I, I feel like there just hasn't been enough. There's been so many changes in the last 10 years in college sports. And let's face it, football's the big money maker. Yep. You went from a 10-year period before where USC was really strong and dominant, mm -hmm. and yes, they had sanctions. It's not your fault that USC stinks, <laughs> but you could do more. I agree. And Colorado and Utah, I don't know that they brought that much to the table. No. And if they did, you need to find a way to expand that TV market before those contracts come up. Uh, they're, they're coming up at, in the spring of 2024. They were going to be negotiated by whoever is there at the end of this deal. I agree. And I think that, you know, don't sell the Utah market short. Um, but I, I want to say, look at some of the, for football-wise, look at some of the Pac-12 schools that had a minor amount of success I would say in the early to mid 2000s um, and sometimes even in like the early 10s that have since fallen off. Look at Cal, mm -hmm. you look at Stanford. Washington. Washington. Well, Washington's kind of up and down. Yeah, they're a roller coaster. Um, you know, USC has obviously been the big name and then UCLA has had like some limited success and then had pretty much they're all super mediocre now. It's probably time to bring in somebody new. I agree. Well, that being said, uh, you mentioned you know all these players that are in college and they're starting to wrap up in their careers and move on to the NFL. Uh, something that happened over the last week and weekend uh, was the NFL Combine. Um, for any of our followers that know, I'm a huge junkie when it comes to the draft and the Combine. I will watch every aspect from hand measurements to 40 times. Um, uh, Joe Burrow didn't do well in one of those. So uh, I spent quite a bit of time watching the combine um, and I just had a few kind of things that I wanted to kind of see how where you guys are gauged on um, one thing that was a major component that I noticed in the combine was the lack of Tua you know, he's still recovering from that hip, hip injury but for some reason they kept talking about him as if he's perfect that he's that he's still going to be a top tier quarterback and to me I have a hard time believing in somebody who I, I can't see perform. Yes, he did great at Alabama, but then you run that risk of, is he a great quarterback or is he a product of the system? I mean, Jalen Hurts did <coughs> Alabama too. So, I mean, it, you run that risk. Um, of course, you have the, the, the freaks that are the wide receivers. C.D. Lamb crushing it. Kyle's beautiful catch. Should, uh, yeah, that catch was phenomenal. 
he's probably gonna worked his way up into being at least the top three wide receivers picked, um, depending on what the team is looking for specifically. Um, then you also had um, you didn't have a record-breaking forty-yarder. Um, everybody was prepped and ready for Riggs to break the record, and he was what point zero five seconds away from breaking John Ross's a, forty times. It's a pretty pretty good amount. I mean, if you think about it, though, forty yards in four seconds is insane. Like, yeah, <laughs> like it's like that is that is. I know .05 seconds in a track runner is huge, but that's just unfathomable in my head. I mean, if Al Davis were still alive, he probably would have been like, oh my god, give me that guy. <laughs> I want that guy. <laughs> now, um, now let's, let's, let's rind back the clock a bit. Let's talk about okay. Tua, Tua being a no-show. Now, one of the things that, with the, the draft and the combine kind of becoming the spectacle that it is, uh, we are seeing more and more high-profile players decide, you know what? You have seen enough of me. Yep. You've seen enough of my resume. You know my pedigree. You know what I'm capable of. Here's the list of my accomplishments. Yep. I will do whatever meetings you want, uh, but I'm not going to go out there and you know have to compete. Put on a pony show. Yeah, I'm not going to go out and compete with these guys who are going to be drafted lower than me. Mm-hmm. Who are going to be paid less than me? Yeah, I agree. And it's not surprising to see. I mean, what didn't? Who else? Has Joe skipped? Burrow. Yeah. Joe Burrow was not. I mean, he was there. He did interviews, but he didn't do any on-field. Uh, he did measurements and interviews, and that was it. It's the equivalent, I would say, NFL-wise, of college players skipping senior day. Yeah. When you know, hey, I've already. Everybody knows who I am. Right. You know, I'm not out there to make a name for myself. What do you think? I think when it comes to, to Tua, first I just have to say that comparing him to Jalen Hurts, I know they're both Alabama quarterbacks, but very different stylistically, uh, as seen as, you know, even just last yeah. season with Jalen at OU. Oh, I, sure. I think Tua is a dynamic player, and that's why you hear his name discussed. Mm -hmm. uh, anytime you basically start your college career by winning a national championship, you're going to be publicized. So I, I get that he's not there, but I also know there's a lot of other players that were huge. Yeah. I think probably one of the more interesting ones, in my opinion, was Isaiah Simmons. I, I really enjoyed watching him in the college football playoff. I felt like he single-handedly was able to get Clemson to shut down Ohio State when Clemson was not finding a way to shut down Ohio State. Putting up a 4.39 40-yard dash yeah. weighing over 230 pounds. Yeah. That is impressive. Yeah. Uh, I want the Packers to trade up into the top five, <laughs> give up a first-rounder next year, and if you if you know me, those are words I don't say. Yeah. I, I'm like, stay where you're at. Trade down. No, trade the 30th pick, trade the number one pick next year, trade the number two next year, go get Isaiah Simmons. We yeah. need him. Let Blake Martinez leave in free agency and put him in the middle linebacker spot and see what happens. Yeah, my, my favorite part of the combine is not to watch the big names because of what you just said in the sense that we've already seen them, we already know. Um, I like to watch the guys that don't get a lot of credit, the linebackers, the offensive line, 
uh, the tight ends. The O linemen. Yeah. Well, the, the the thing is, is there there were two guys that really stood out to me when it came to those uh, those other positions. Mm-hmm. Um, the Notre Dame tight tight end uh, Cole Komet, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, that guy's scary. I mean, he's gonna be good. They were comparing him, and his numbers were comparable to Gronk. And I'm gonna say, if we're gonna get another Gronk in the uh, uh, NFL, he better one party as hard, so huh? we can just be entertained by news articles. But two, I mean, that's a big name to be compared to. I mean, obviously he's not asking to be compared to that, but still, that's a huge name. And another one would be the offensive lineman, and I apologize if I'm butchering this name, but it's it's Mecky Becton from Louisville. Mm-hmm. He ran the fastest 40 time for a lineman that is, I believe, is over, I want to say he's over 350 even pounds, fastest since 2008. Like, yes, it's a lineman running a 40 time, but it's a big boy running pretty fast. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, I mean, as, like, a few weeks ago on our mock draft, Caleb and I kind of talked about uh, how many offensive linemen are going to be taken pretty early. Mm-hmm. And he could have upped his draft stock Big time. quite a bit, uh, oh, yeah. especially for a team who really wants somebody potentially a little bit better on their feet um, with a more like dynamic running attack. So oh, yeah. I it'll, mean, be, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up going. Yeah, and then the, other, the only other thing I had that like really jumped out to me um, was Herbert. He helped his stock big time. Uh, he looked awesome had a solid 40 time and was throwing the ball like it was nothing it was he looked really really good um i would be shocked if he didn't jump up into the top tier of quarterbacks of like one and two um but as for that the are combine you, was are great. you saying we could go one two three no i don't think we'll go one two three um just because i don't think that would happen but i mean herbert's definitely one of those guys that he kind of reminds me of of Carson Wentz kind of overlooked and then just crushes it in the NFL. I mean, Wentz was the number one overall pick. I have a tough time saying. Well, you're right. Two. You're right. I forget. He, he was number two. He should have gone number one. That's where I had him evaluated. And that's what I mean by overlooked. <coughs> he should have been taken. But I'm sure they're okay with golf. <laughs> Speaking of the draft, one of the big rumors that came about this past week is what the Redskins are going to do at two. Uh, speaking of Tua, that was the name that came up. Mm-hmm. Tua Tagovailoa potentially being drafted and making the former number one draft pick, Dwayne Haskins, a little bit Josh Rosen-esque <laughs> and potentially being, hey, uh, you're our number one pick yeah. and we're going to ship you somewhere else. Rosen-esque in his career. I was saying <laughs> Rosen-esque, is, is, that's a rough term because he's been shipped and has been talked about getting shipped again. <laughs> so I, I, I found it interesting. Uh, I was saying, if you're the Redskins at two right now, are you to a trade or are you trying to just take Chase Young, who is arguably the best athlete in this draft class? Um, I mean, I'll take this first. I, I know that there's been some rumors that you know the Redskins are a little bit uh, hesitant about whether or not Haskins can actually run this offense consistently and whether or not he is the quarterback of the future. Uh, The problem 
Right. The problem that they're in is that it is nigh impossible to pass on Chase Young at this point. Oh, yeah, I agree. Uh, you're looking, you, you technically have somebody that's going to be serviceable in that role, mm-hmm. the quarterback, and you're in a division that is not going to be the strongest in the NFC by any stretch. No. So I don't think that you take Tua here. Um, I don't think that you trade the pick away. I think that you take Chase Young. Travis, I, do you agree? Uh, or I, I agree. I, I really do. I think you should take Chase Young because, like I saw throughout you know the combine and, and the season, there are a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be missed and fall to the second and even the third round. You could get your future quarterback in a later round. There's nothing saying that a future quarterback has to be a first-round pick. Tom Brady. I mean, like, you've got a lot of quarterbacks who are really good. Maybe they could pick up Fromm after he goes undrafted. I mean, Fromm hurt himself in the combine, that's for sure. Um, But, I mean, like, you've got Eason from Washington. They're talking Jalen Hurts going second. Second round. I don't see him falling to the second round, but that's where his current projection is. Like I, I, I kind of do. I don't know. I don't know where he falls, but I mean, there are going to be other options at quarterback, and we still, to this day, don't know how Tua is going to come back from that injury. That injury ended an an amazing athlete's career. Why are we assuming that Tua is going to be able to just come back and be Tua again? So. I, you you could be right, and because of that, I think if I were the Redskins, I would trade. I think the people wanting Tua are going to give you enough that you can leverage and get someone in place. You're going to get better overall depth than Chase Young. The Redskins were abysmal this past year. That's Let's true. not forget that. Terry McLaurin might be the only player that I'm even sure was actually good last year. And he was a rookie. I don't even know you have the Redskins. A new, a new GM, you have a new head, head coach, coach, you have a new organization, and that's part of why yeah, if you want to let the Dwayne Haskins experiment continue for another year, feel free. You don't up. aren't necessarily tied to him, and that's why you could take Tua if you wanted. Yeah. If you're not going to take Tua, trade and let someone else take Tua. You know who's sitting there at five and has a lot of draft capital? The Miami Dolphins. Get their fir- get two first round picks this year. Get yeah. a first round pick next year from them. You know you can do a quick rebuild <laughs> instead of addressing one position where you may see Chase Young just get double teamed by everyone else because the Redskins don't have anyone else to rush the passer. Yeah, they would have um, to have another guy. I do want to talk Makes about sense. a couple of things with free agency though as well. Uh, the big one, of course, is. What's happening with TB12? Uh, the rumors, the rumors this past week, uh, rumors, rumors everywhere. Um, it was one of those things where you saw, oh, Tom Brady, he could go to the Titans. He's got a connection with Mike Vrabel, and you're like, you know what? That's legit. Hey, he was Tom ca- Brady, talking he to could, him. He could go to the Raiders. You know, the Raiders want to move on past Derek Carr. You know, Tom Brady in Las Vegas isn't a bad idea. Uh, Tom Brady, he's actually got a legit chance of going to the 49ers. You know, that was a rumor that came out this past week. And then you see people saying, oh, Tom's probably just going to go back to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I can't get enough of this right now. I love this. Oh, no, so I, I think we're all kind of in agreement. That <laughs> there hasn't been a super high-profile like free agent 
in the NFL in a very long time. I would say not that had a chance to go somewhere else. I would say the the last time there was a big like free agent was after uh, the Colts decided to move, move on, on from Peyton from Peyton Manning. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and even then, it was a risk like a limp Peyton Manning. Yeah, but I mean, there's still there's Peyton still a Manning. risk here. All I I'm mean, saying, I mean, I mean, Brady's old. almost as old as Vinatieri. Like, yeah. I mean, he's he's no, full. he's older. We're, no, he's not older, no. but Vin, Vinatieri's not considered active. Tom, Bader, Tom Brady is the eldest active member. So the so whoever whoever takes a chance on Tom Brady <coughs> needs him to be a stopgap. Yeah. Right? And so a lot of these teams I don't think necessarily benefit from a stopgap win-now quarterback. So John Elway's right. done it once. He could bring him to Denver. So where do you want Brady to go then? Or where, where do you where do I where think do you, or where do I want a little him bit to go? of both? <laughs> okay. I want a little bit of both. So I think if we're going to talk about a court, a a team that needs to quote unquote win now and would need like veteran leadership, mm-hmm. I think then we look to him going to the Titans. I agree. Now if we I, I think that the that the Raiders aren't capable of having a deep playoff run. Uh, I mean, if we look at the way the Titans performed, they they're obviously it. capable of it. Yeah, they at least make it. Uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, of course, he could always go back to the Pats. That's right? He could always go back to the Pats. That is boring. Um, I really feel like the the Titans are probably the. I don't. It just, it just feels. It just feels right. So maybe, where are you at? Maybe. I, hang on one second, though. Okay. Maybe. He goes to the Bears. What do you guys think about that? No. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> my my thought my two thoughts of places for him that I could see him going and they're gonna shock you is the Chargers and the Titans. The Chargers because I I'm a huge video game nerd and I simmed a season where Tom Brady was a quarterback of the Chargers and they won the Super Bowl. Just throwing it out there. Just, just throwing it out there. Uh, where I want him to go, the retirement home. <laughs> the reason why I say that is because I don't want his godlike career in the NFL to be dampered by going to some other team and hopping teams just because he wants to keep playing. I'm going to go ahead and uh, just take the last word on this topic because I have a, a bit of a dream scenario right now. Oh God, let's hear it. Um, let's go to the Packers. I want Rivers to go to the Colts. I want Brady to go to the Titans. And we get like two or three years of Rivers versus Brady twice a year. Plus, we've got the young buck, Deshaun Watson, playing each of them twice a year. So it's that AFC South would actually be the exciting division to watch every game. And that would be very rare for what we've seen so far. Uh, but let's, let's switch uh, from football to football, football. and give it to Sean <laughs> with 300 seconds of soccer. All right. So... Get set, ready, go. Here we go. This is going to be a bit of a bittersweet segment for me, uh, mostly bitter. Uh, So quite a few interesting stories around the Premier League this past week, so I'll try and keep the focus on that. Um, Next week, guys, I'm going to give you a rundown of how the English Football Association actually works in regards to uh, promotion and relegation. I know I've touched on that a few times. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's just go ahead and dive right in. A biggest story this past weekend was the fall of Liverpool who dropped a 3-0 defeat to Watford in a pretty shocking match. Liverpool only had seven shots total with one on target, despite having over 70% possession. 
This was Liverpool's first loss in the league since January of last year, and their loss ends an 18-match winning streak and a 44-match unbeaten streak. And it came to a Watford side that's been fighting relegation for practically the entire year. Ismail Yassar had a brace, and all three goals came in the second half for Watford after a very quiet first half. Um, on the Liverpool side, Virgil van Dijk and Dijon Lovren had atrocious games defensively. And you can see why Lovren has been riding the bench pretty much since, I think, December. Um, the poor transition play on Liverpool's side showed how much they've missed Jordan Henderson. Um, this loss, the loss to Atletico, and then um, just this loss to uh, Chelsea in the uh, FA Cup. Um, you know, you can see them suffering from that lack of, of veteran presence. Now, in terms of the league, Liverpool still have it all but one. 22 points above Manchester City, uh, who actually had their fixture against Arsenal postponed until next Wednesday due to the League Cup final, which we'll actually go ahead and talk about. Um, City handled Aston Villa quite well at Wembley on Sunday. They took a 2-1 win. They dominated possession, took double-digit corners, and had over 650 passes, 88% accuracy, breaking down Villa's bus. Uh, this is City's first trophy of the year, and they'll look to add a few more as the FA Cup and Champions League progresses. Now, let's talk about Arsenal. Uh, so, as I said, our league game was postponed this past weekend, so there's no highlights to talk about there. Uh, so we'll talk about the FA Cup win over Portsmouth and our unfortunate early exit out of the Europa League against Olympiacos. Uh, for the FA Cup, we had a pretty stout 2-0 win on the road with goals by Socrates and Eddie Nketiah. Uh, the match was honestly relatively uneventful, uh, but if you guys listened to me talk about the uh, financial fair play, you heard me name drop Portsmouth, and so uh, <laughs> kudos for you if you caught that name again when I just mentioned them. Uh, now, the Europa League loss. We gave up a goal shortly after the start of the first half, uh, which ended up causing the match to go into extra time. Uh, we drew even. Uh, there was a fantastic scissor kick goal by Aubameyang. Would encourage you to check out the highlights on that one. Um, but then Olympiacos answered six minutes later. Terrible goalkeeping from Leno on a corner, which we've struggled with set pieces pretty much as long as I've been an Arsenal fan. Uh, Ouch. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been bad. Um, and then Aubameyang missed probably one of the easiest goals of his career uh, <laughs> to send us home from Europe for the season. So City's been banned from Champions League. We can still potentially make it to Europe again next year. Um, possibly Champions League if we can snack fifth place. It is a tough, tough stretch. We're 10th in the league. Um, we have, we're five points back from fifth. We have a game in hand, 11 matches to go. We'll see if Arteta can take us to the promised land. I don't know. It's, it's going to be rough. Um, but for me, that's going to be, uh, it's going to be my segment. Yeah. Keeping it under, you know, the, 300 seconds. Uh, I did want to say um, I saw your Facebook post about the Arsenal loss, and I legitimately was sad for you. <laughs> Just because you sounded very, very defeated. It's it's tough. I mean, I I know that for a lot of um, a lot of fans of like American sports teams, you know, you kind of live and breathe your team, and you go through, and your emotions will will ride high. Soccer's a a different beast yeah. you know for some of these people it's part of their identity and when you suffer something like this to where a team that's been consistently present in the highest you know levels of competition gets booted out and they're running with or dealing with like a run of some terrible terrible luck 
or terrible performances, it really takes you out emotionally. Yep. So yeah, it's it's it sucked for lack of a uh, better word. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll cheer you up. Uh, we got some pretty cool things on this day in sports history. Um, first off, we're gonna start back in 1927. Ooh, uh, 93 years ago. We're gonna go. We're gonna start with the Caleb was three. <laughs> oh dang! The Colossus of Clout, <laughs> Babe Ruth. Signs his contract with the New York Yankees after being sold there just a few years prior. Um, he signed a three-year contract for $70,000 per year. At the time, was the highest-paid contract in, in Major League Baseball. Now, something that kind of is interesting in that situation is, do you know how much that would be in modern-day baseball? I don't know, Travis. $300 million. million. <laughs> One, $1.04 million. Now, for no, you guys, because the highest-paid contract is over $300 million. For you guys <laughs> listening right now, when Travis said $1 million, he put his pinky to the corner. $1 million. Dollars. No. So just the fact that, the, I mean, it's Babe Ruth. I mean, when you think of baseball, Babe Ruth is hands down one of the first five people you think of. Whether you're a casual fan or not a casual fan, the fact that he'd only be paid a million dollars just based off pure inflation, it, well, that was pretty crazy to me. I mean, think about how, especially in comparison to some of the other sports, I know, Caleb, you, have, you and I have talked about this uh, mm-hmm. off-podcast. Um, MLB contracts they are some of the money. craziest contracts mm-hmm. in like all of sports. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I imagine, you know, an athlete getting paid a million dollars a year. I wouldn't call Babe Ruth an athlete. Uh, hey, I mean... He wasn't very particularly good at running. He didn't have to be. <laughs> he yeah. didn't have to be. He could walk around the bases when he hit a home run. All right, well, moving on, we, we jump a few decades ahead. 1968, what I like to consider part of the, uh, the prime of boxing... Joe Fraser TKOs Buster Mathis in the 11th round of the heavyweight title match. Um, that is, it was a pretty significant thing. Obviously, none of us were born in 1968. No, but I mean, I mean, Caleb was what? <laughs> I said he was he was three and 27. So what, he's. Uh, it was pretty close. Yeah, he's yeah. gonna be he's gonna be 44. So he was 44. He got to watch it live. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, good for you, Caleb. Um, this is what I like to call, like I said, the prime, the golden age of boxing. You had Ali, you had Buster Mathis, you had Fraser. You know, it just, just, just that general time frame. I don't think that sport, or this sport, will ever be to where it was at that point ever again. Um, I mean, you could argue that this win kind of—I don't want to say kick-started Fraser's career, but really brought him into the spotlight because I mean, this was bef- nah, the this Ali fight. This was before the Ali fight. Uh, yeah, okay. If you put it in the way of kickstart, yes. So but what put him on the map was the Ali fight. Yeah. So I mean, this is what basically made him a a name in boxing to I allow. Agree. The Ali trilogy to really, especially the first match, yeah. to to really like gain the traction that it did. So I mean, I agree there. Um, also, just the fact that eleven rounds, boxing three minute rounds for heavyweight. That's that's a long time. Let's yeah. yeah like I I get gassed after three, <laughs> and I that's I, I want to go home and take a nap. So now we move on to just another less than ten years ahead. Um, my favorite baseball team of all time, the San Francisco Giants, were bought for $8 million. A little unknown fact that is, it's known but not very popularized. They were actually agreed to be purchased by another group for $13 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I'm I didn't know the exact details as what caused them to pull out of that deal because um, obviously he would have made more money but later um, Bob Lurie and a uh, partner of his I don't remember his name off the top of my head ended up purchasing the team for eight million dollars uh, there was debate about moving back to New York uh, but that was quickly shot down um, and then three years after that Bob Lurie completely bought his partner out and he's a sole owner um, Looks like they were actually they was originally going to sell the team to a group um, that was in headed Canada. by a brewing company, yeah, and they were going to potentially move the team to Toronto. Oh, we could have had but the then, uh, again. But then the but then the mayor of uh, of San Francisco was like, ah, 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 no, we're not going to have any of that here. <laughs> no, we're we're keeping them. Yeah, we want baseball. <laughs> All right, well that goes for the today's sports. Uh, I thought today was a pretty good day. Yeah, you know, March 4th, good historical day for some sports. Random sports. Um, and now, uh, we, we've talked about a couple of different college basketball teams before, during our season, we did some race breakdowns of the regular season. Mm -hmm. uh, their conference tournaments start this week. So yeah. we're going to oh, hit on some of those. The first one I want to look at is the Ohio Valley Tournament. Ohio Valley has an interesting format where they do a double buy. Yep. Uh, and the three teams that we had in the race finished one, two, and three, although not in the order we expected. Belmont is the favorite. They also have Murray State, and then Austin P is the three seed. Uh, it's one of those where if you're a fan of one of the teams, you love the tournament setup because if you're a top two seed, you're in a conference semifinal, and you're just waiting for your opponent to get tired playing <laughs> multiple games. Which is crazy. Belmont is definitely the closest. Uh, are you guys rolling with the Belmont Bruins, or do you do you sense an upset on this one? I mean, probably probably no really big upsets. I here. mean, with the with the setup, I feel like Belmont said, like you said, they're they're waiting two rounds. I, the other team's gonna be, you know, half the men they were from the beginning of the tournament just because they're tired. I feel like I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but going to like a really big like baseball tournament and where there's like eight teams to play yep. and you guys aren't playing until like next to last and then last yeah. and so you're sitting there waiting just watching everybody else play and you're like oh, okay you, you know, get you fall asleep yeah so i mean maybe maybe there's some surprises and belmont you know doesn't really uh, benefit from the layoff the the only difference i see in that sense is a baseball tournament that's two days yeah. this is like multiple days in between, so they can. No, oh, these yeah. are all back to back days. Well, they're back to back days. today, well, you, and but, the championship is Saturday. But in this, it, well, that even hurts the other teams more because it's back to back days. Belmont can be like, okay, I'm going to sleep, and then I'll get in tournament mode when I find out who my opponent is. It's always fun to see, like, a, especially in formats like this, a lower ranked team mm -hmm. to have that big run. Everybody loves to see it, unless you're a fan of, you know, the top team, and you're like, no, I, I, I want us to win the tournament. I want to see those number seven seeds, you know, run the table. So I'm also on the Belmont train, uh, just to continue us on here. Uh, the next one I have is the Missouri Valley, which has probably just two favorites. Uh, the Northern Iowa Panthers have had a good season, and their competition from the lower half of the bracket is Loyal of Chicago, Sean's Boo! least favorite team Boo! of the, of the because they knocked out Tennessee a few years Let's ago. Let's go, Loyola! <laughs> Boo! And 
Boom. Uh, last year, this <laughs> conference was actually won by the fifth seed in the Bradley Braves. So oh, wow. you never know what is going to happen in this one. So here's what I think, right? I think that you cannot sleep on a team that has beaten the almighty Kentucky Wildcats. So even though they haven't won a conference game all season, the 10th seed, Evansville, yeah, they're probably going to lose in the first round. But I'm pulling for them. I'm pulling for them. I'm all Loyola. Hey, hey Sean, who was the last team to beat the Kentucky Wildcats? I don't, I don't know, man. It seems like they're maybe a team that wears the best shade of orange. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, it's the best. Um, Rocky Top, you'll always Never heard be. Of Never heard of them. Home, sweet home. Never heard of them. Call me a, a homer from the old days, but I want Northern Iowa to go in with their purple and yellow jerseys and win the tournament. I know I don't like purple, but uh, I did love them upsetting the Kansas Jayhawks back in the 09 tournament with Olive Farouk Manesh yep. uh, hitting some big threes. Awesome. This team Throwback. is similar. Uh, they have a player whose name is going to sound super familiar in A.J. Green, who <laughs> is their best player. And he's going to make some things happen in that tournament. I feel good about them uh, winning Arch Madness in St. Louis City. <laughs> I'm going to take Bradley just because I can. Because I don't know much about this conference, and they won it last year. Let's go, Bradley! <laughs> he jumped off the loyal bus yeah. that fast. Um, to be fair, yeah. it wasn't like, like the bus was, uh, was going very fast. I, yeah, I was, it was going like five miles an hour. Plus, I have family in Tennessee, so I have to give Tennessee some props. Here, let's. No. Uh, speaking of speaking of giving Tennessee props, uh, next conference, right? Southern Conference. All right. So, if you guys remember East my my uh, wonderful tourism pitch for <laughs> East Tennessee, East Tennessee State. Yeah. Well, no, for East well, Tennessee yeah. in general. Um, so, I think that this is the Buccaneers uh, tournament to lose. What do you guys think? Uh, again, this is another one that I don't really follow all that much. Come on. I know, I, I have a really bad habit of only following big conferences, and I really need to fix that. Um, I think I, I, I do I do like East Tennessee State. I mean, they're 26-4. and four. Yeah, that's hard, that's hard to argue with. <laughs> Pretty good record. Pretty good record. So I, I think I'm going to ride the bus with you, if you'll let me on. I'll at least tie on to the back, at least. We're heading to the, heading to the mountains, boys. <laughs> I think, Johnson City! Johnson I think we're going City. to see chaos, simply because... This has been a conference of chaos. Uh, it's in Asheville, even though I don't see any strength from that. I think if you're forcing me to pick someone today, I'm taking someone from the other side of the bracket. I'm going to take Furman, the Paladins. They're going to go to the tournament for the first time in the last 40 years. Granted, I said they would win the regular season. I was wrong then. You were wrong then? I'm doubling down on the Paladins. <laughs> doubling down on Furman. <laughs> That being said, uh, let's move over to our game of the week. We are featuring a game that is on Saturday between the Seton Hall Pirates and the Creighton Blue Jays. Uh, Big East basketball is one of my favorite basketballs. They play their conference tournament in the garden. Mm -hmm. Everyone's always loved it. Even if some of the teams have changed over the past few years, you no longer have the Yukons and the Syracuses. This year, the big boys are the Pirates and the Blue Jays. So, Creighton beat them last month, right? It was like yeah, a five-point win. 
Um, Seton Hall has Villanova tonight. Uh, now they beat them in February. It may give us actually a better window as to how this matchup's going to go. So it's kind of unfortunate that we're making the call uh, now as opposed to tomorrow. All right. Um, but hey, Creighton's dropped one game at home. Yeah, I was gonna say all it's at home season long. Now Seton Hall has traveled pretty well. Yeah, um, they're firmly entrenched at the top of the conference. So if they win against Villanova, as far as the regular season goes, this game will be a wash. Mm -hmm. um, at this point, it's all it's all about the uh, about the seeding. Um, I actually think Creighton takes us. Uh, yeah, I mean, Creighton's my pick. Yeah, they haven't lost, like I said, at home, but once all year. Uh, I I mean, this. Uh, like I said, I really want to see how Seton Hall does against Nova tonight to really say, yeah, you know, let's let's go Creighton, but. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Caleb? I am actually going to go the other way. Of course part you of are. It of course is, you are. You're a Nebraska fan. <laughs> part of it is that Creighton has been such a hot and cold team this year. Creighton and has... where they're located. Katy Perry team. <laughs> yeah, I also nearly mentioned that as well. Uh, they've hit 271 threes this year. It is one of the higher marks. If you compare that to Seton Hall, who also shoots the three, they're around 220. I think if you're going to tell me, do you have to hit threes to win? I don't want to be on the team that you have to hit threes to win the game. I get that. I feel like with Miles Powell and Mamu, that the Seton Hall Pirates just Mamu. have something. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I, I just feel like the Pirates have something to prove, and they're going to come out strong. One of the best teams in Jersey. Got to make the pick. I'm taking the Seton Hall Pirates. All right. I'm gonna go ahead and throw my pick out there. Give me the Kings of Omaha, Creighton. <laughs> so two for the Blue Jays, one for the Pirates. One for the Pirates. So I'm picking the refs. We will uh, we will see. I mean, this officially starts game of the week, right? Yeah. yeah. We, we, we chatted about some different games before, but this officially starts our game of the week, so we'll have to keep track of uh, our records going forward to oh see. Oh, Lord. Uh, I've never gone done well when it comes to records. <laughs> we will be keeping track. Also, we're going to put this up on Twitter at Brody Talk. We'll put a poll up later this week, so you can tell us which way you're leaning if you're going with the Pirates or Blue Jays. Also, whichever team wins, that's going to be the color on the profile there. Perfect. So that way you can show your pirate pride or your blue jay, whatever <laughs> goes with blue jay. <laughs> All I'm saying is I'm picking the Kings. The Kings of Omaha. So, so I there's do not even another team in Omaha. So that really matters. Nebraska, Omaha. They don't yeah, matter. let's go Mavericks. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to say before we, because I know we're, we're we're out of topics officially. I want to say that next week we're gonna have a nice little special treat um, to celebrate March. Oh yeah, that. We are going to. We have taken ten American professional teams across the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and. MLS, <laughs> and we are going to be ranking their jerseys based on green. So we have ten green wearing teams and uh, Travis. So, so there's something interesting about green, right? I can't see it. You can't see it. <laughs> so we will. Uh, so it's going to be the best gray uniforms win. 
<laughs> and I already have the results, um, and Caleb and Travis do not know which teams have won. So I will tell you that uh, so they wear gray. Teaser. <laughs> some of them, some of them will be a surprise, and some of them will be, you know, not so surprising. But uh, look forward to that. Absolutely. Uh, again, I do want to thank all of you who listen. Uh, feel free, like I said, to give us some shouts on Twitter if you like what we say or don't like what we say. Uh, we <laughs> are glad to hear from you. Uh, again, my name is Caleb Walgren. This is Brody Sports Talk, and we're signing off. Go Bucks! Woo!